Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and I'm here today to discuss the second half of the draft. So in our previous episode, we reviewed the first nine teams alphabetically, which included Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, the Dockers, the Cats, the Suns, and the Giants. And we're here today to review the next half of the teams, which is the Hawks, the Dees, North, Power, Richmond, St Kilda, Sydney, Eagles and the Dogs, and I'm here as always with my co-host Sean Lewis to do all of this. Sean, how are you doing tonight, mate? I'm doing fantastic, John. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we're here in your lovely house again to record this episode, and um, I mean, look, yeah, like the first the first part was really fun. Um, definitely enjoyed it, and and yeah, look, I, I, hopefully people enjoyed it as much as I did. So. Excited to kick this off, and, and first up, we've we've got the Hawks. So, probably the first thing to note with the Hawks is they had a bid on Isaac Mosquito, who was an academy player at pick 38, which we discussed with Essendon. Isaac Mosquito? Oh, Irving Mosquito, my apologies. Um, sorry, I'm thinking of Isaac Smith in my head saying Hawthorne. Um, and they declined to match it because it would have cost them both their picks and they would have slid out of the draft. Um, they... Graham Wright has since come out and explained why they didn't match and he said you know when you look at the draft board and where you had him rated before the draft they went in and they had a a zone basically blocked out where if a bid had come in those picks they weren't going to match it and and unfortunately um, for their academy it did happen and, and so therefore they didn't match it so with their first pick at pick 52, they took a key defender in Jacob Kajitsky. Now, I think this is a good selection. I'd give it a B because I had him rated a bit higher because key, defend- key defenders at his size are-, are rare in this draft outside of Ben King. So I think it's a good selection. Um, B is about the best they can do at pick 50, to be honest. Um, and then I guess finally they had an academy selection from GWS in Matthew Walker. Um he is a forward, a midf- midfielder forward, I guess. He, I don't really know much about him. Maybe you do, John. No, um, again, once once you go outside of 50, um, you, we're sort of stretched for our knowledge on the players. The the recruiters definitely have a much better knowledge of these guys. But we pretty much can't give them anything other than a C because it's just that once you're outside of 50, you just met expectations. So they definitely exceeded expectations with Jacob Kaczynski, who would have been at least in the next round above that. Um, and 63 for Walker is completely fine. They also made a couple of trades, um, trading out picks. Um, so they traded a um, they received, they traded out a future fifth round pick, um, future fourth round, a future fourth round pick, and received a future fifth round pick and pick 63. Um, so giving up a future fourth for a current fourth is fine. Um, and got a fifth round pick back, so that's just a fine trade, which is what they used for Matt Walker. So, I mean, overall, not many moves. Um, I'm not you can't rate them for not selecting um, Mosquito. Uh, I think that's just a C move, potentially slightly less. I, I, I like. I would have liked to have seen them match it, but as you said, they needed the selections, and Kazitsky was a great pick. So I'm going to give them a B. I actually rate their draft. Yeah, yeah, for two for two late picks. For what they had, I'll, I'll give them... Oh, feels dirty giving them a B, but yeah, I reckon a B. B minus. B minus, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's above a C plus, definitely. I, I think just simply because we... And when we talk about met expectations, there are our expectations, and we had Kizutski rated a bit higher. So I, I think that they've done... 
yeah, they've they've done well. So yeah, B minus is fair. Um, and moving on to my boys, and this is going to be a bit controversial because I'm I'm going to be harsh. Good. Um, so first up, they had pick twenty seven, which um, was Tom Sparrow. Uh, I think it's an excellent selection here. I really rate this one. I think it's only met expectations in terms of a pick because I think that's where he was um, justified to be picked in that kind of band. But then uh, the controversial one is pick 33 in James Jordan. I'll let you go back and talk about Tom Sparrow and what you thought, but then we'll get on to James Jordan. Tom Sparrow is a good good pick. Um, They needed some explosive pace. He's a good player. I think he's probably an underrated player from this year. That's putting a bit of personal judgment on him, but he definitely falls outside of that second bracket of players, and he's in that third bracket, the same as sort of a Kaczynski, um, who went at, what, 52 or 53? So 27, it's not early, because you have to pick someone, and they're all about as, as good as each other. Um, and Tom Sparrow, for me, is a good player, because he's got high scope. Um, but yeah, James Jordan is a probably, for me, like an E just because and that's, said, that's, that's harsher than I was no, going this is, what, this is what we're not rating I'm not rating James Jordan himself I'm not saying that James Jordan is an E player so James Jordan if you're listening you're probably not uh, we don't have that many current under 18 players listening I don't think uh, but James Jordan if you're listening we're not saying that you yourself are an E we're saying that you yourself are probably projected somewhere near the rookie draft uh, late draft at best um, so going at 33 is well early. Um, they could have got him with either 53, 56, or 75. So it's a very early selection for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I maybe don't have it as an E. I, I'd probably give it a D. Um, maybe that's a bit of bias towards my club. But at the same time, I think um, there's something that he has to offer that Melbourne really lacks, and and it's speed. So if you if you have a look at his, uh, um, they've obviously got some testing data on him, but having a look at, at the way he plays, he, he definitely plays with a lot of speed. Seems to be a bit more of a half-back flanker. Um, probably won't, won't play much um, next year. Probably more of a project player, but I, I agree. I, I think you might have been able to get him with our pick 53 um, rather than 33. Same time, if on the on the club's board they have him rated there and they've selected him, then good on them. It's just against our expectations, it definitely hasn't met them. So um, then, pick fifty three, they took Aaron Nitschke. Um Now, this one's a I think we may have had him in the last draft. No, he might have been towards the end, or maybe. I think we did. I I, I don't remember him being selected in our draft, but. Definitely, once again, we're outside of 50, so it's a met expectation to pick because, like, as I said, outside of 50, you should just be picking who's highest on your board. And we're not saying you shouldn't be picking who's highest on your board at every other pick. It's just, it's much less of a surprise after 50 to take players. So, um, I think I think with that, that pick, they've really just picked a, a player ready for potentially AFL because um, it looks like he's played a bit of sandful in the seniors. Um, seems to be uh, a re like a rebounding defender with some good endurance, but I mean, yeah, like you said, it's probably a met expectations pick. Um, next up at fifty six, they took Marty Hoare, who's a, a a versatile defender from Collingwood's VFL team. I love this selection. Um, I was hoping this guy would go in the draft, 
I was surprised he got to Melbourne. I thought Collingwood might have swooped on him a bit early. Potentially, I think, did Collingwood trade out like a pick in the 60s? Uh, maybe, but I think that... They probably had that scoped for him, I reckon, because he... If you watch any VFL this year, he certainly showed that he's more than capable um, at playing at AFL level. He really starred for Collingwood in the VFL. I really rate the selection, but again, um, we definitely I had him definitely falling... Um, a bit later than this. I, I wouldn't mark the pick down because I think he's in that blanket. Um, so it's a C for me here. Yep, and the last thing that Melbourne did was match a uh, bid for Toby Bedford at 75. It's probably... Is was, the, it, was it a bid? I don't think it was a bid. I think you they think just, just, I think they just used their last pick. So. Okay, so they might have used their last selection on Toby Bedford, which is a good selection. Um, but that said, they were always going to get Toby Bedford. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's the inverse of the James Jordan pick, where I think that Toby Bedford could have gone at 33 and James Jordan at 75 would have made more sense. Yeah. Um, they got them both. I think that you have to select them, pretty similar to the Silvani and other academy sort of players. You have to select them um, if you if you rate them, um, and obviously Melbourne would, so it's probably just a met expectations pick for me. Maybe if I'm um, being a little bit nice, I could give them a B for it, but I think it's just a straight met expectations. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end, they, they, they took... Uh, my belief is they originally traded uh, 36 and 46 for pick 28, which became James Jordan, um, in the belief that... This was outside of the, the live trades, but I believe that that was because they felt that a bid for Bedford may come before pick 35 or in between 35 and 46. It didn't. Um and then they just took him with the last pick in the draft. So, I mean, in terms of our expectations, we had Toby Bedford going at about pick 30 or pick 35 or something. Somewhere between 30 and 50. Um, but we, we, we took him in the mock draft. He went about a bit bit higher. But yeah. I, I remember you saying during the mock draft you would think that a bid would come a bit later for him. So yeah, but the, definitely, it's, that's definitely that third group between, yeah. between 25 and 50. I had him there. Yeah, so you probably, for the fact that, that he was able to slide, and that's based on other clubs and being luck, and then Melbourne taking him, you, you can't really give Melbourne credit for taking him with the last pick because he's always going to be picked. So I think you just have to judge it on the first four, and, and overall, I'd probably give us a D plus, if I'm being honest. I'll give, it, I'll give you a oh yeah, D plus. Unfortunately, that James Jordan selection yeah. really weighs it down. Um, yeah. it, it's it's a, sort of a more of a. It's hard because there's. The, Four C's and one E, um, and that E just really weighs heavily. Um, so you you could be like somewhere in between, like a C minus, maybe yeah. um, C minus minus, um, just to make it sound a little bit nicer. But to no. so D D plus is fine. I mean, yeah. look overall, like Melbourne isn't unhappy with that, but I just think yeah, like based on our expectations, we probably didn't expect to see um, James Jordan anywhere near the thirties, but. Who knows? You know, another club might have snapped up two picks later. We don't know. But we move on. And up next is North Melbourne, who get pretty much no credit for three of their four selections. Um, they did some trading, but um, I guess they started off by matching a bid on Tarrant Thomas around pick eight. Um, and then they, with pick 46... They, this is a trade. Which so, is a trade. So they, they made two trades, and I'll just cover them both off because they're... Well, they made three trades. They, they made a few trades all around the same point. So they traded a future third round pick for pick 46, and then they traded 
pick 51 for a future third round pick. So they effectively swapped third round picks and moved up five points in the draft uh, with those two trades. Then they also traded out pick 54 for a future fourth round pick, which is probably losing a bit of points. Uh, maybe that's about where a future fourth round pick would come actually. So all those trades are just C's. They all just sort of meet expectations. They're well-balanced trades, I think. Fine, exactly. They, they, they did fine uh, with every single one of them. Um, and with pick 46, they took Curtis Taylor. And I think this is potentially where we're going to vary on how we rate this. I had Curtis Taylor outside of 25, which is the first two groups. So that means that anywhere in between 25 and 50 was where I see his range being. So 46, I say, is a met expectation selection. Um, what do you think, though? I think it's a win for them. Uh, Curtis Taylor, I did have him outside of 25, but I didn't have him anywhere near 50. I had him probably going somewhere in the early 30s. Um, I think his upside is just huge. And if you're taking a pick in the 30s, um, you're looking for talent, that sort of thing. I'm not, and, and to be honest, it's part of the reason why I'm pretty harsh on Melbourne is, you know, like, James Jordan over Curtis Taylor for me from what I'd seen uh, it seems like a risky pick but you know I can be proved wrong and I hope I am for Melbourne's sake but I think this is a ripper for for North Melbourne it's not an A it's a a B for this for sure Um, but overall yeah I mean like he's he's a good player in my eyes so um, with their next two picks, which was 49 and 69, they matched bids on Bailey Scott and Joel Crocker. So Bailey Scott, Scott was rated by some people as high as um, mid-20s um, and pushing down towards a, about where he was taken um, by others. So I think in terms of value at this selection, I think they've got around his value. I didn't have him rated inside the top 40, personally. Um, and Joel Crocker, um, you know, again, son of a son of a 100-game uh, over player. I'm not sure if um, he's a legend, but he's certainly a shin bone. They love their shin bone of spirit. But, um, I mean, Joel Crocker is going to be a development player for him. For them, he, he's a bit skinny, um, but he's a forward. Fairly looks... looks pretty talented um, but he broke his ankle this year and is still recovering so definitely weighed down by that and probably didn't have enough runs on the board to attract anything higher yeah um, for me just the comment on Curtis Taylor I as I said I see him differently to a lot of people um, and these are all just our own opinions and I'm not using that to judge how I sort of rate this trade as I said I saw him outside of 25 and he went before 50 which means he's a straight C for me I don't, I don't see the high scope that people have in Curtis Taylor. Um, I see him as being a reasonable player, but not an exceptional player. Um, he doesn't stat very well. He performed fine in the team that against the team that finished bottom um, this year at the champs in Vic Country. So again, uh, it's sort of a. I don't, I don't really rate him as that, that highly as a player. I think this is about his range, so I'm going to give them a straight C. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, really only... I gave him a B for the only thing you can really judge him on, but, I mean, yeah, I guess I have to go with B, don't I? But uh, I think overall, they've, North will be really happy with this. It's a B for me simply because the only thing they did... Oh, look, to be honest, actually, it's probably going to be C+, because 
the trades to get him probably pull it down a bit. Um, yeah, three not, C trades. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, look, yeah, okay, we'll call it we'll call it a C plus, and I think that's probably fair in my in, for me. And you know, it's a pretty great trade. Taron Thomas is an absolute jet, so um, North Melbourne supporters be excited about that. But overall, C plus, um, more than happy with it. They may be slightly performed above expectations but now we're moving on to port who i feel we no we might actually agree on this one um well let's see before we go into any players they selected what what's your straight grade over looking at them um i would have given i would give them probably a b yeah i for me i rate them probably like a c plus or a b um and it's putting none of my own judgments on their selections yeah that's just purely based on the pool um I, I give them that so the order that they had them in was my gem um kind of rosy and number five um rate that selection very highly i mean everyone knows um, i've been trumpeting him since the start of the year when he was out at potentially pick 15 in the middle of the year um that he was still definitely a top seven player top eight um the elite eight the elite eight and he did um he did make his way back in there because he's a gem really high scope um, and just does some things that no one else in the draft can do which I rate this is sort of how they chose Zach Butters as well um, so Zach Butters definitely sat in that second tier group so yep. it's a met expectations pick same with the Connor Rosie selection but again does things that not many other players in the draft can do um, there's a lot of general midfielders and he sort of um, falls outside of that being a bit quicker and a bit unique in the way that he goes about it yeah, look, I, I really like the Butters selection. Um, I probably came into to him a bit late or, in terms of of watching him a bit more closely. Um, he performed very well, but um, certainly I, I really do think it's a great selection for them. Um, but the part where I think they get their value, and I know we've been kind of blanketing the groups, but I really feel in terms of this second group, their next selection should have been a lot higher than this. It, I felt he sat inside the second group in the top three or four of them. Um, and they could have quite rightly selected him at pick 12, and that's Xavier Dersma. Um, I think they've absolutely lucked out with this pick. They it, It's a B because he sits in that group, but because we felt he, or because I think he fits at the higher end of that group, I, I want to push that rating up. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think just to even comment on that, we used, we're using the mock draft as sort of our reference point for this, but... If you went back to when Sean and I did our personal uh, final rankings, we had Dersma sitting at six overall. We had Dersma inside of that top eight and above uh, where Blakey ended up being. And I, I don't think that that's too far. Um, I think that that's just sort of a... I think is a gem. Um, so I definitely will give it a B even though it goes slightly against the convention of the way that we've done the rest of the draft. Using our personal power rankings, he was a top six player. And well, that's the advantage of, of, of being in charge of this thing, mate. We exactly, can, yeah. Can, Multiple can, rankings, depending bend, on... Bend, bend our rules as we see fit. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I, gen, I genuinely think that that's right. Like, he... I, Lions will... Uh, sorry, not the Lions... Port Power will be absolutely stoked with that selection because I, I could imagine they were debating Butters and Dersma at 12. Um, Dersma as a halfback flanker for them will be a huge help, um, potentially even allowing a guy like Hamish Hartlett 
to move back into the midfield and away from the half-back line. If not, he'd be able to support um, Hartlett off the half-back line in conjunction with Riley Bonner, yep. Jonas, and the rest of their crew. So that it's very easy to see how all three of these players fit in. Um, but yeah... Dersma is the one that just pushes that rating up for me. Dersma will be a good super coach selection for next year. Absolutely. He's a, he's a good performer at super coach level and at pick 18, he's going to come in at a reasonable price. As, as, well. as will um, Liam Stocker from Carlton and yeah. uh, a player we're yet to get to, my boy Collier yeah, Dawkins, yeah. potentially if he comes in. Maybe. The side. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, but um, the next right, two selections go. 73 and 76, they picked Riley Grundy and Boyd Woodcock. So Riley Grundy, a key defender. This is a development pick. Um, I think it's a it's a good pick for them. Uh, it's just a met expectations because um, I think Riley Grundy was ranked somewhere around the 60s and 70s, so he's gone about right. And Boyd Woodcock, I have no idea about. So Boyd Woodcock is a met expectations pick because he definitely wasn't in that. Um, he definitely wasn't projected in that third group in between 25 and 50. But he's a good player. Um, his sample finals definitely pushed him up. I think probably his year, he was probably below expectations, um, not as a selection, but just in his own performances before then. So I think that he had probably a slower year than he would have liked, but his finals were really good. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that he's going to, I think it's a pretty strong selection. So across the board, um, although it's uh, met expectations, met expectations, good met expectations, met expectations, met expectations. This is probably a rare one where I'm going to call it a B just based on all of that um, anyway. It's probably like a, being as kind as I can be, I can probably only give a B minus. Um, they didn't engage in any trades and all of their selections were good but not great. Um, yeah. they, they didn't get, say, a Bailey Smith with pick 12 or something which would be exceptional or anything like that. They just yeah. did the right thing with every single pick which I think is pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. B minus is fine. I think they've done really well. I think they'll be stoked. Um, moving on to Richmond. Uh, Richmond probably fall into the theory of holding on to the picks and waiting to see what falls. And I think it's been a good philosophy for them the last two years. They've picked up Jack Higgins with pick 17, who, as we, um, we spoke about last year heavily, that he was um, probably the number one um, points-ranking player coming out of the the championships and on top of that um, he was really only being pushed down the list because he was short which potentially is also fed into Adelaide's response this year so but with their first round this year they had probably the opposite happen where they've managed to pick up a 193 centimetre strong inside ball winning midfielder and Riley Collier Dawkins so I think this is excellent for them um, he was pro- a bit like Dersma he was projecting higher inside of this group. So he's he's come inside of this group. So the best we can give it would be a B because he's probably slid from slid from the first half of this second group into the very last pick of this second group. So I I give this a B, even though it's a bit like Jordan Clark with Stephen Wells. The re- recruiters have, have waited to see what lands in their, their lap. Um, I think they've made the right selection it's a great pick and it will pay in dividends for them. Yeah, and for me, uh, I think I'll give it a C plus if, if I'm being kind based on, as I said, our, our slightly bent um, projections there. But I, I didn't have Riley Collier-Dawkins as highly rated as you did, but I do really rate your um, ability to select players, so it won't surprise me when he ends up being an absolute jet. 
Um, Jack Ross yeah, at pick 43 was their next selection. It's a met expectation selection, but I think it's a really good selection. Yeah. Again, um, Jack Ross is potentially one of the, I don't know, out of that second group of midfielders, he's definitely this sort of similar to your Hatley types. Um, maybe not as highly credentialed, but um, definitely a good selection for them at pick 43. And the other two at Fraser Turner and Luke English. I mean, Fraser Turner met expectations. Luke English probably slightly exceeded expectations. I think that I would have expected to see him somewhere between 25 and 50. Um, and I think that he's good enough to go there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think like with Jack Ross, I, I actually had him pegged going to Essendon. I thought Essendon would jump at the chance to get a, a player of his calibre. Um, but they went for, for the Mosquito. So, Speed. Yeah. Um, terrific player. Pick 43. I, I think he'll end up being a bargain pick. But again, it's a met expectations pick because he falls in that bracket for me. I think he's gone about where... You know, if I'm saying that I thought Essendon might get him at 38, um, and he's gone at, at pick um, pick pick 43, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a met expectations. Fraser Turner, I love this pick. I think it's a great pick for them. Um, he's a talented player from Clarence, um, bit of a speedster if I remember correctly. So he's a running running midfielder, um, wingman. So um, big big running capacity. I think it's a really solid pick for Richmond. I think they're focused, obviously, on one key area, being the midfield, and looking to replenish their depth after letting go of um, Sam Lloyd and Anthony Miles. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, Luke English, I think, is probably a, a, an above pick, maybe a B for, for that one. So I think, look, overall, they've, they've got uh, two Cs and two Bs for me, or... You might call Collier Dawkins a B minus um, for that picks, and they made one trade. Do you yeah. want to talk us through that? Well, the trade was just they obviously weren't going to use pick sixty eight, so they traded it out and got a future fourth round pick. So it's sort of a nothing trade because it's a, probably going to be about the same as pick sixty eight next year. It's a C. It's a C as well. So I mean, I'm probably going to give them a, a B minus um, rather than a C plus. I think that they did quite well on every one of their selections yep agreed I'll back that in so um, moving on who are we up to next the Saints. so the mighty Saints uh, went in there with pick four and selected Max King to start which as I've mentioned is a meets expectation selection because we assumed that with a top seven pick that they were going to get a top seven player and they did um, what a surprise and, and we don't want to judge them harshly or well based on that but I think that um, for those of you that are interested Max King probably has the high, one of the highest ceilings out of anyone in this pool um, and was prone to dominating both at underage and um, and at school level and at uh, TAC cup level before his injury so he's got that ACL but yeah I think maybe Maybe in the future, it will, it'll either be one of two ways. It'll either be that we'll see well, how did he get through to number four or even with the ACL or how did he get taken at pick four after coming off an ACL. So that'll be an interesting one to see. But I think you'd probably be happier with the next selection. Yeah, look, um, just touching on King, I'm backing the Saints in here. They've been a part of his rehab. Um, he's been obviously doing it at their facility. So I, I really think that their medical staff know better than probably most so I'm backing them in that they know that he's going to get his knee right he seems to be obviously quite dedicated to doing that I think Simon Leftland came out um, when someone when he was questioned about don't you have too many key forwards 
Um, and you basically said, well, if this kid's the best of the key forwards and he's better than the rest of them, then it doesn't really matter, does it? So, I mean, it's an excellent philosophy to have. You just, you know, you pick the best player. And as you said, like, Max King's ceiling is enormous. Like, he's potentially, you know, a, a Josh Kennedy from West Coast type goal kicker, um, which there's really don't grow on trees. So... The next pick, as you said, I do like this pick. I think it's a value pick um, in Jack Bytel. Um, but however, it's got to be a met expectations as well because I think we had him going somewhere in this area as well. But really, really, really um, strong pick from St Kilda. Bytel um, could could potentially end up being a real value pick here. He's, he's a good midfielder, certainly addresses their needs. Um, but again, it's only a met expectations. Um, moving on, they think they didn't trade for... The, this was their other Melbourne pick. So pick 41 was Melbourne's original th- uh, 36. Pick 47 was Melbourne's 46. And with that one, they picked uh, Matthew Parker, who I don't know a lot about, but I think you might have a bit of info on him, John. I rate Matthew Parker. Probably um, based on our board, this is a little bit early. Um, We're getting towards 50, so it's hard to judge them, but it's below a C. Um, I just rate his attitude towards football. He's a mature age player from South Fremantle, and I think that he has has a genuine ability to be able to make it at the top level. Um, Whether he does or not, that will be to, to find out in time, but I really rate that selection. Um, I rate what St Kilda did with the rest of their selection. So there's a couple of trades and a couple of selections around here. So I'm just going to go through them in a bunch. First of all, they uh, selected with pick 54, Nick Hind out of Essendon's VFL. Everyone's probably seen that um, big run in their final um, where he set up the final goal of the game to give Essendon the win and get through to the grand final. And they selected Robert Young from North Adelaide. It's a premiership team out in Adelaide um, with pick 67. Isn't it, was he the 19th man? I don't know if he was. That was that was North that was North Adelaide anyway. Oh yeah, North yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that. Okay, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, but they got him with pick sixty-seven. So both those last three selections, I rate the idea because I think that it's important that St Kilda put pressure on their um, younger players that are either hovering around the point or aren't claiming a spot and it's time for them to step up and start claiming it. So bringing in three mature ages that are going to be wanting a game straight away is a good idea. The concept works. Just to talk through all of their trades. So they received pick 51 and traded out a future third round pick, probably slightly overs, um, if anything, um, given that uh, the third round pick will probably sit somewhere um, in the 40s. Um, late, late 40s though so not necessarily like the start of the third round is oh, 37, 37. Yeah, no, so yeah. like mid 40s um, or early 40s is probably where that selection will be um, but the next two trades were pick 61 for two future fourth round picks and pick uh, so that's they received two fourth future fourth rounds they traded out one of those future fourth round picks and pick 75 to move up to pick 67 so Probably the one where they got two future fourth round picks for one is a B. I'd say both of the other ones are probably C minuses. Um, maybe maybe the other one's a D. So two Ds and a um, and a B in their trading, which puts them slightly on the negative side. 
Uh, the drafting is probably mostly C's with potentially a C- minus on the Matt Parker being that he could have been available a bit later in that draft as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to give him probably a C- minus overall, uh, maybe a D plus. I'm going to probably go a C- minus just because it's a lot of middle ground selections. Yeah, I think they're deserving of a, of a grade in the C's and I'll probably agree with the C- minus. So no problems with that, mate. And we move on to the Swans. So the Swans uh, were an interesting case. So first of all, uh, one of the very early things to happen was the Swans before receiving a bid on Nick Blakey. So when the Western Bulldogs were about to make their selection, they traded, picked 26, and received a future third-round pick from the West Coast Eagles. Um, So that trade was because they'd obviously realized they had enough points to match later, um, but wanted to avoid having to use that pick um, to match a bid on Blakey. So the next thing that happened is that a bid came in for Nick Blakey at 10, and they matched, which is a good match, um, but again, not judging them based on they were always going to get him, so yeah. it's just a straight C or not even including it's that in included. our rating. The next thing that happened was they received pick 24 for a future second-round pick. So... This is a, I mean, assessing this one, it's a sort of a three-part move. Um, the first part of the move is probably an E because they traded out a this year's second-round pick for a future third-round pick, so you're dropping probably 16 spots, 18 spots at least in the draft, say 20 spots to make it easy. You're dropping 20 spots in the draft. It will be 18. 18 spots in the draft for just avoiding having to use that pick to match. And then they traded out a future second round pick to get that second round pick back because they obviously wanted to have a second round pick in this but draft. But that's a higher pick than what they traded out. So. Two, two picks higher, but we're draining both trades individually. Yep. Pick 24 this year for a future second round pick is probably What's a, a pick? C plus. Yeah, pushing, pushing a, a, a B even because... You know, if Swans make finals, that's a that's probably a pick in the thirties. Yeah. So I, yeah. so you probably say twenty four for a pick, say thirty, um, six positions. Yeah, it's a B. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. So B or a C plus, and the other one is an E or a D minus um, based on that. So I mean, overall, that swapping of picks probably nets like a D or a D plus, maybe say a D plus for the net on that and now there there is obviously taking into consideration the rating that they have they thought that they saw someone higher in this year's board and everything in reality if they had kept pick 24 or pick 26 which was the pick that they had and just used that pick to match on Blakey they would have a high they would have the exactly the same scenario except their picks would be next year so they would have it's pretty similar to judging GWS. Like they're trading out picks this year, so they know that they can um, they'll get them back next year, or the other way around. So they've slid from the second round to the third round next year um, in order to keep a second round pick this year. Um, I don't know. For, for me, I think it's a. I think it's a. I don't think it was as good a move as what was being made out in the media, and I don't think that the AFL should change the loophole for this rule. Because ultimately, the 
like they lose on points. They lose a lot in points, um, which is really all you can use to judge on it. And uh, it's unfair to judge Sydney based on the fact that they want another pick in the second round when West Coast, not West Coast, um, Collingwood and North Melbourne had traded out more picks to get third round picks already um, than than the Swans had. So they'd already done the dirty a lot more in order to bank points. Uh, this is just the Swans being smart. Um, but then again, as I said, I rate the smartness of that as a D plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that rating as well. Um, I think, like we speculated, this was going to happen. Like let's yeah. be honest, like we we speculated genuinely that clubs will use this system. At the end of the day, clubs are responsible for themselves. They're gonna they're gonna game the system as best they can. Calling this trade a win for Sydney, it's not. It's really not. It doesn't. It, Yes, they've retained their second round pick this year and got Blakey. Great. But they've cost themselves a second round next year for it. So you've really just, you've really, ta- you've taxed your yep. future. Yes, you're going to get a third round back next year, but you're, you know, you're talking about a team that was won the premiership. So yep. you're going to slide a long way. And, and realistically, I think, you know, like you were 100% right. Collingwood and North did this exact thing, but worse. Before the draft, yep. and all live trading's allowed is that you know teams can probably carry a few more picks that they couldn't do, and then you've got these other rules around. Because when we first brought in the bidding system, you know the the teams first just stockpiled picks to match bids. They they went and got all these late third, early fourth round picks, and then just used that all to match. And then the AFL said, no, you can only carry as many picks in as you have list spots available. But then they've gone and brought in now a rule which allows them to sign, you know, unsigned mature age players and all this stuff, which effectively means they can walk into the draft with, they can delist a whole bunch of blokes and plan to re-rookie them, which I think they potentially have done, and open up the list spots. They're still not any better for salary cap. They're still not any better for, all they're doing is just opening up list spots to meet a rule. And then they're still doing the exact same bloody thing. Yeah, well, another thing that... This is just another note on that exact issue. Because you can trade future first round... Future picks in the draft, instead of banking third round picks to match with this year and just using heaps of late third round picks, you can bring in heaps of future picks because you don't have to have as many list spots open this year as you do future picks taking into the draft to trade. So you can just bank heaps of future picks then wait till it gets to the 40s and start trading those future third round picks for current third round picks. So you still have the same amount of net picks once you've used a match. Anyway, one more point on the matching, which is not taken into account by, I don't think, any commentator, is that by trading out 26 was the pick that they traded out, they get to use more third round picks to match than if they took in 26. So this isn't necessarily considered by people they say you know they moved from the second round to the third round uh next year in order to keep a second round pick this year what you're forgetting is that because that 25 is worth more this year in dvi points they probably gave up three third round picks rather than what would have been a second round pick and maybe two third round picks so they've given up the equivalent of a round in the draft and a third round pick to stay in the second round this year yeah, so it's, it's a, that's a bit, um, and, and which is why, as I said, I'm rating that part of it a D plus. And I guess the, it's sort of rated worse here when I rate 25 as a pretty reasonable selection, and James Rowbottom 
probably was sitting in this group, but I still sort of see this as like a C minus potentially D selection because I sort of had him sitting on the either late side or almost outside of this group. Yeah, well, like they took him at 25, and I think they've got pick 44 up there. I reckon he was available there. Again, it's a bit it's a bit like with Melbourne um, and James Jordan. Um, they've obviously liked him. They've jumped on him early. Um, Robot, Robottom's more highly touted than Jordan, though. Agreed, but it is early, yeah. Like yeah. this is the thing. Like if you're gonna judge, if you're gonna judge Melbourne harshly, then you got to be equal. You got to hit with an equal stick. I would have thought that Robottom would have been available at 44, the same way I would have thought that that Jones was available at 54 for Melbourne. So. I mean, overall, I would give it a D. Um, that again, just saying, Robottom himself is not a D. He's he's a very talented player. He looks like he'll be quite handy. However, it's just against our against my expectations. I had him I had him rated in the late forties, to be honest. So yeah. I think they've gone early there, and th- and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, clubs are going to do, and, and they're the experts at the end of the day. And Sydney has a bloody amazing history of, of just good selections. So. Um, and then they move on to probably where they're the specialists in the draft, really, um, yeah, the towards the late. So yeah. they, they picked up, they had pick 44 and pick 51. They took uh, Justin McInerney and Zach Foote. I think Foote's a great selection for them. Um, I'm not sure where we had him, but he may be... He was, in, he was inside our third, our third group, which sits between 25 and 50. So, so 51 yeah. is a above... Expectation. Yeah. I, I sort of rate Justin McInerney as a D, as because he was sitting outside of that group for me, and Zach Foot as a B because he was sitting above that group. Um, is that how you see it? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think overall, like the Swans aren't going to be disappointed with their haul because they've got in Robot and they've clearly got a player they rated. Um, but I think overall, looking at this against our expectations um, and also rating that trade. You've got a D-plus trade. You've got a D in Robottom for me, a, a D in McInerney, I agree with you, um, and probably a B in Zach Foote. So overall, I think they probably a D, D-plus area. Yeah, I, I give him a D-plus just. Uh, I'd, I'd say that, I, as I said, I'm not saying that we don't agree with what they did or that we don't agree with the picks. I just think that uh, I think they overpaid for what they got. Yeah. Um, which is what we're sort of judging everyone based on. And we're down to our final two clubs, um, one of whom is the West Coast Eagles, who are the really taking advantage in a lot of these sort of trade scenarios. So they did more trades before they select... I'm pretty sure they did more trades before they selected anyone than they did total picks. So as in, they might have done four trades before they'd made their picks, and they had four picks total. So, that wouldn't have surprised me. So, um, so the first thing they did was receive... Um, give a future third round pick for pick 26 and then give up pick 24 for a future second round pick. So effectively moving two slots down in the draft to move up uh, a full round in the draft next year. Fantastic trade. Uh, tick. If it's a D plus for for Swans, what's the what's the inverse on our scale? Is it, does that make it a B minus? B minus, yes. Yeah. It's a, a B minus um, net Trade there. So I actually think it's a B plus, which yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's, well, it's just like you can't judge them differently though. Yeah, because, I, know, I, agree, I agree. So let's give let's give them a B, B, B a, a straight yeah. B. Let's make it easier. Straight <laughs> B. The next trade they did was to trade pick twenty three and a future fifth for pick twenty seven and thirty two, which is an A, a. straight A. So they got a straight the B and a straight A. So two second round picks, only four points different from the first one. 
um, for a second rounder and a fifth rounder. So another fantastic trade. And I was wrong. They did three trades. That was the sum total of their trades. But a fantastic start to the draft with a B and an A. Uh, and then they just selected best available, I think, at all of their picks. So they had Xavier O'Neill, who's a bit of an athlete. He performed really well in the combine, finished first in the kicking test. Um, and I think that pick 28, again, Xavier O'Neill probably sat in that third group for us. It's at the top of the third group, so maybe there were some players that we might have selected earlier, but based on our grouping system, he gets a C uh, for that selection. Same with Luke Foley, who they took with pick 31, and probably Bailey Williams, who they took with 35. Luke Foley um, is just a good midfielder, um, overage player, but he's a pretty good player. Um, I, I really rate the selection of Foley um, and local boy as well. The next one that is I really, really rate is obviously yeah. the Bailey Williams selection at 35. So we, we had Bailey Williams probably around 22. I, I had him in that second group. Yeah. I had him oh, as, you had him up in the 20s. I had him, I had him at probably... Oh, sorry, up in the teens. Yeah. I had him probably as the third best key position player in the draft and probably somewhere around the um, 12 to 18 range. Yeah, and look, I had him about 22, so I'd definitely give this a, a, a B. Um, O'Neill and Foley, uh, I probably see C-, C minuses, um, probably a touch early. I do like Luke Foley um, as a selection for them. Again, staying local, pretty handy um, midfield forward uh, pressure. He's taller as well, um, but probably on the lighter side. So he'll take a few years, and especially given they've probably lost a couple, they've delisted a few midfielders and stuff. So um, Bailey Williams fits a real need for them in, a, in obviously a ruck forward. So losing Lysette, they've lost that. So they've picked that up, which is great. Um, O'Neill, I think, is probably slightly early, maybe a C minus for me there. And then 39, um, which was an academy match for Jared Cameron. Um, this is about right for Cameron in terms of position and and realistically they're not getting any value for that but I think they've um, done very well with their haul and and overall look I think these guys are going to be the only A for us based on their trades really I, I really think their trades are yeah, so strong their trading set them up so we rate them as a B and an A for the trades but if we go back it's probably a B plus and an A plus just they've really improved their draft hand not given away much as far as their, all of their picks started inside of the third group. So just to clarify that, like we had our three groups. The second group ended around 20, and all of their picks that they started with were in that third group already, and they were able to maintain their position in that third group, get an additional selection, and get a future second-round pick just for moving back a couple of slots. Um they're, I think, are a B plus. I think they're a B plus across the board, um, and maybe even an A minus. So probably let's go an A minus, just because I rate really rate the selection of Bailey Williams, and I really rate the two trades that they did. They, on top of what Richmond did, where Richmond just used their position and waited for things to fall their way, they're a good team, and they did what good teams do, and they just exploited other teams want to get things right now. Um, so they did an absolutely fantastic job. But they were our second last team, and our final team was the Western Bulldogs. So the Western Bulldogs, 
had the best pick in the draft in pick seven. Um, and I don't mean best pick as in you obviously want pick one. If you choose between seven and one, you take one. Uh, but seven was the last live pick inside that eight, given that eight was, um, what's his joint? Blakey. Blakey. Eight was Blakey. So seven was the last live pick inside that best seven players who are all rated about the same. And Bailey Smith is going to be a fantastic player. He even has the culture of the Western Bulldogs, especially that premiership team, Western Bulldogs, in him already. So it's a great culture selection as well. They then um, waited and made some trades. So they traded out uh, pick 34 and 41 for 30 and 57. Uh, so that was a trade where they received, sorry, they received 34 and 41 and traded out pick 30 and 57. So that's a B trade there, maybe even. Yep. Uh, yeah. B it's a, plus. It's a probably, probably a, uh, maybe like, yeah, probably like a B plus or a B because they definitely gained points, um, which they then used, which was smart. So they gained points and then used them to match Riley West at pick 26. They then used that additional pick that they got um, to take Latham Vandermeer. So probably he was in this group, I think. No. Maybe he was in the next group. So I think he was a D. This is a D pick for me. Yeah, so that was essentially a D at 37. Um, they then made another trade where they traded out uh, pick 46 and received a future third round pick. So that's a third future third round pick for a current third round pick. So it's probably to see, just like a net zero. Yep. Um, they might, must not have necessarily rated anyone or they had too many picks because they didn't have to match which was handy um, and then they selected Ben Kavara um, with pick 45 potentially slightly early but I rate the selection um, no, no this isn't slightly early this is I, I had him Ben Kavara firmly inside of 50 okay um, good he's, yeah. he's anyone who's watching any VFL would know he is um, Williamstown Dynamo has really changed his game the last two years and, and started kicking a lot of goals. Um, and I think he's going to go a long way to replacing Dalhouse. So this is a great selection for me. Yeah, um, it's a met expectations for me, but yeah. I think it's a great one. So That's probably the same with the next selection, which is Will Hayes in the 78. I do want to say on this pick, which is a met expectations, one of the things that the Western Bulldogs have done really well is to promote their best and fairest from their VFL side. So this is something that Geelong do quite well as well. But it would make me, if I was a VFL player, want to go to play for Footscray VFL because you know that you're going to be taken seriously if you're winning a best and fairest there where there is a lot of clubs where you win a best and fairest at in the VFL that don't end up getting selected in the AFL. So I really rate that selection. It is a met expectation selection and there was a lot of that from the Western Bulldogs and the, across the entire thing, probably with the... Um, exception that they gained some value in the trades and lost some value with the selection of um, Vandermeer. It's probably a straight C um, yeah. when you look across the board for them. Um, but I yeah, I like what they did as well. Yeah, look, I, I give it a straight C. I think it's just really... like It was probably a C or a C plus, really. Um, probably just picking Vandermeer ahead of where, where, where we probably felt he sat. Um, probably puts him back to a C. But overall, again, like... Uh, you know, we, as we've said the whole time, it's it, we're not sitting there saying that your draft hall is a C. Every club, I guarantee you, if you ask them right now, they're happy with their draft halls. So um, every club will say that we rated this player here and we got him here, or you know he was exactly the one we wanted, or 
whatever. Um, but overall, um, we are judging it against expectations, and I guess that's our own expectations in general, but also, um, you know, generally speaking, a lot of draft watchers as well would be. I mean, overall with draft watching, you don't really end up varying too much between them. Um, that's probably why mock drafting is a bit more interesting than, than I guess what's effectively now, like all the phantom drafts from now on are pretty much just power rankings because um, live trading pretty much throws, like torches all the phantom drafts because you can yeah. just move up and down as you need. So really I think the next phase for draft watches is going to be a lot more mock drafting and trying to understand what clubs are thinking and where they're heading. Yeah. Um, I think for the first introduction of live trading, it was excellent. Some clubs, especially West Coast and Adelaide, really took advantage of it. Western Bulldogs even to a little bit. Um, overall, it's been a, it's a great draft group. Uh, high quality. I think we're going to see a lot of super talented players for the next decade come out of this draft. Potentially some even you know down into the fifties as well. So yeah, um, I, just, I just like to just inject here because as you would have heard, like we haven't gone into almost any detail on the players taken after 50 and we're also not going to cover off the rookie draft because we would just be doing the same thing again it's just met expectations in the rookie draft the only thing I would say on the Western Bulldogs draft hand just before we close out them and the whole podcast is that we probably would have expected a bid for Buku Kamas to come in that third group so somewhere between 20 and 50 and for a bid not to come at all for him and then to be able to get him as a category B rookie yeah. because of his multicultural background is is exceptional. We can't give them any props for that because they didn't do anything about it, uh, but it did work out quite well for but them. It's probably also worth noting the same for Port Adelaide. They picked up um, Fredericks and, and Kai Pudney. Fredericks was probably projected to be a rookie, to be honest, um, uh, but Kai Pudney could have been a late punt in the 60s for someone. Um and, and they, again, they got them both as Category B rookies. So, you know, a lot of credit. We're seeing a lot of um, academy selections, whether it be through the the um, Indigenous academy side or even the multicultural academy side. And it's great to see footy clubs starting yeah. to, to really invest good money in there. Sydney's had a lot of success over many years investing in Sydney um, to develop players up there. Um, and it's great to see that the AFL is really giving teams the mechanism to um, invest in in um, players from diverse backgrounds. And I think it's only going to be better for the AFL. Um, the more, the more, the bigger the draft pool, the better off we are. And I've been highly critical of the AFL for a long time of bringing in two expansion teams without pre-planning it five years earlier. Um, I guess my theory is that you know if you're going to bring in an expansion team, two expansion teams, you're talking about two lists of 45, so that's an extra 90 players that are that are going to come into the the overall AFL pool. And if you're adding 90 players, if you've only got say 600 spots a year, and then you're going to add an extra 90, so it's one seventh effectively um, you're adding to the new draft pool. Um, you're, you're watering it down if you don't invest in youth early. So I think what they're doing now is the, re, the reaction they should have taken five years before Gold Coast and GWS came in, which is a heavy investment in academies, youth, and, and that. So it's great to finally see it happening, and it's only going to be better for the state of the game overall as the skills improve. Agreed, mate. And, and that'll do us... I, it's funny because I said 
like two minutes ago that I wanted to say one more thing about the Western Bulldogs and then wrap up. There actually is one other thing about the Western Bulldogs which <laughs> I forgot. We wrapped up twice. Man. I know. Well, this will be the last wrap up, and I think this is because I don't think many people were paying attention to this stage of the draft, but I was still firmly fixed on watching every single selection. The Western Bulldogs actually passed on one or two picks before this pick 78. And for those of you that were following it, the reason that they did that was because they were keeping their list spot open in case a bid for Buku Karmas came, in which case they needed to match. Once everyone had passed, they used the last selection in the draft on Will Hayes, knowing that they automatically had Buku Karmas and no bid could come for him. If a bid came after, if they used, I think they had pick 72, if they used pick 72 and then a bid came for Bukukamas, they might have lost him because they wouldn't have had a list spot to match for him and he would have gone straight to the other team. So that was another little savvy move there. And one of the moves that I... Um, yeah, I hope that if you were paying attention, you noticed. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were paying attention to all this and I hope that you have um, paid attention to our uh, draft review and you've enjoyed it. Please let us know what you think of this format rather than just judging based on what we think about players and who got the best players throughout the draft. This is really trying to critically analyze the clubs and how they performed. Uh, So do get in touch with us on Twitter and let us know what you think. Um, And we will have next week will be our real big final wrap-up of the the off-season, I guess. So we've judged the free agency and the trade and the delisted free agency and the draft all separately. Uh, we're going to actually compare them all side by side now and give the clubs a bit more of a ranking based on how they performed across all of them. So, and we're, and we're also going to tie it into our previous list analysis and 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 look at have they gone into this period and addressed what we saw when we did the individual team list slices and, and have they actually addressed what they needed. So, um, it's it's certainly this is this is this is going to be really interesting for me um, to see if. I guess recruiters and and list managers see the list the way we saw and have addressed it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, John, thank you yet again for um, another another wonderful podcast. Yeah, no, thank thank you, mate, and um, thanks to our listeners, and we do hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, listen to our next episode, and thank you for listening to this one. Thanks, guys. <laughs>